Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Twilight Nine podcast. This is episode 60. I'm your host, Riley. Happy Tuesday. We're recording Tuesday morning. Shout out everybody that usually listens first thing in the morning. I don't know if you're waking up for work at 6 a.m. and listening to me on the way to work or whatever, but we are recording a little later into Tuesday. My new work schedule, only get a few days off, take advantage of those few days off. So I'm going to record Tuesday morning now. So happy Tuesday morning. We got a decent amount to talk about. I know that it's that kind of year for the golf season where we're kind of dealing with smaller tournaments and all that kind of stuff. It's football season, so maybe the PGA Tour kind of gets pushed aside a little bit. Uh, That is another that comes into play again this week at the Shriners Hospitals for Children Open. But despite actually the name of the golf tournament, you think that's going to be a really weak field. Actually, there's some guys in the field this week, which is fun. Webb Simpson's there. Brooks Koepka's there. Hideki, Will Zalatoris, Patrick Reed. There's some dudes. Um, so we're going to go over the Shriners later in the show. Martin Laird won last year, which just shows that anybody in the field can win this week just because of the golf course. TBC Summerlin is set up in a way desert golf um, fairways are a little on, little on the generous side. If you want to call it that, uh, it's shorter. I think it's a par 71 right around 7,200 yards. So it's a little bit on the shorter side. So that's why it kind of brings everybody into play. That's why a guy like, I'm not saying Kevin Na is a, a slouch, but his game is just accuracy, hit fairway, short hitter. Kevin Na has won here before. So it's that kind of tournament. So we're going to go over the Shriners a little bit later in the show. We got some caddy news to get to, which some of that was actually kind of surprising. Uh, we're going to go over a couple changes coming to some guys' bags in the coming weeks next season, this season. And we can get into Sam Burns. In a little bit too. He won the Sanderson Farms. He actually made his tour debut back in 2017 at the Sanderson Farms Championship, which is pretty exciting for him to get his second PGA Tour win there. Hometown kid. Well, I guess not hometown kid. Louisiana. But kind of next to Mississippi. So I guess kind of a hometown kid. But yeah, Sam Burns, second win. I mean, the kid's a stud. Um, He swings out of his ass every time off the tee, which is very exciting. And he kind of swings. He swings just hard. And he's got a really good swing, really rotational, which is nice to see. Um, That has kind of gone by the wayside a little bit here, but rotational swings are always beautiful. And Sam Burns is one of those dudes coming up on the PGA Tour, a young kid. So we're going to get into Sam Burns. But I do want to talk about this caddy news. Well, and Bryson, actually. I just totally forgot about Bryson, what he did this weekend. Um, But let's get into the caddy news. So Justin Thomas has been with his guy for the last six years, and he's moving on. Um, which is a little bit of a bummer. Jimmy Johnson, they're like one of the big teams on the PGA Tour. Like when you think of Justin Thomas, it's hard not to think about Jimmy Johnson and him carrying that bag. He's been on JT's bag, I think, for all of his wins. And 
those are just one of those combos where you just think JT and you think Jimmy Johnson, and they're no longer going to be a thing. Um, they're stepping aside. I think it was kind of a mutual decision. I don't know if JT fired him. Um, I'm sure Jimmy Johnson, he's a fantastic tat- caddy. JJ is going to find a job somewhere with somebody else, but they are no longer going to be working together, which sucks. But for JT, we get to see Bones back on the golf courses, which is pretty exciting. He is, I don't want to say stepping out of the booth because he was never in the booth, but he's putting the microphone down. If you want to get all symbolic about it, he's putting the microphone down to pick up JT's bag. And obviously, if you guys are not knowledgeable about the situation, Joan, uh, Bones used to be Phil Mickelson's caddy. So he is experienced. He knows what he's doing. He's actually caddied for JT in the past for a tournament here and there when Jimmy couldn't go. And now Bones returns as a full-time caddy. So it's going to be nice to see him out there, although it is going to be a little bit of a bummer not having him on TV because it was awesome to hear that kind of insight from that level of a caddy that has won major championships, has won the Masters. It was awesome to have Bones on the call week in and week out for Golf Channel and NBC. But they're looking for their replacement. NBC, give me a call. But I think they're maybe looking at Colt, Colt Nost, who does a great job. He's fantastic. He does PGA um, Tour Live every once in a while. He does a really good job. Wouldn't surprise me if he's their new guy. He's done He's done a lot of good stuff on the golf course. But going to be a bummer not having Bones out there. And then the other relationship that's no longer happening after, I believe, 13 years. I think it's been 13 years. 15 years. 12 PGA Tour wins is Bubba and Teddy Scott. And those guys are always the, those two are the combination that, uh, that everybody really likes to make fun of because it's just entertaining to watch Bubba go after it with his caddy, even though they're best friends, nothing malicious ever happened on the golf course. Like they're just good buddies and they get after it. And I actually had the opportunity to talk to Ted, uh, Ted Scott for a while when I was producing this other podcast Uh, He was a guest on our show and he's a great guy, very knowledgeable about golf. He's a stick. And he said that all that kind of stuff kind of gets blown out of proportion. They're just trying to work through their, you know, process or whatever you want to call it and get the right number, get the right shot and all that kind of stuff. But they are famously one of the more energetic and into it pairs on the PGA tour. And they're no longer going to be a pair, which is a little bit of a bummer. I know I haven't seen anything about Bubba Watson picking up a new caddy. I haven't heard new news about Bubba's new guy. But 15 years with the dude, 12 wins on the PGA Tour. Who knows who he's going to go to? It's really hard to move on from a guy like Teddy Scott, especially with a guy that can put up with a personality like Bubba Watson. Who knows? I'm sure, again, just like Bones kind of stepped in, just like I'm sure Jimmy Johnson will find an opportunity in the very near future. It would surprise me if Teddy Scott isn't on a bag for the 2022 PGA Tour season. The guy's just way too good at his job. Wouldn't surprise me, or it would surprise me if he doesn't find a job. And he's a a great guy. Like I said, I talked to him at length. Really good guy. Um, So hopefully he can find something. But those are two big surprises. Like that's the same kind of storyline. I know it's not as long, but like Phil Mickelson and, and... and bone splitting up the first time after what over 20 years working together. Like these are some of the combinations that have been on the PGA tour for just a really long time. And it's going to be a mix up this season, especially JT. It's going to be kind of weird seeing him and bones, but we've seen, we've seen weird 
combina- not weird combinations, but combinations change over the years. Like Lakava was on a uh, couple's bag and then has moved to Tiger. And then Lakava actually has gone back to the PGA Tour champions when Tiger's been hurt now and caddied for Freddie. So we've always seen guys going back and forth, but it'll be weird. And then Bryson just coming in, what, the top 10 at the World Golf at, at, the, dry, at the long drive competition last week hitting it over, I think he hit one like 412, held his own, was winning heats or whatever the fuck those guys call him over there. Very impressive for a top 10 golfer in the world to go in and finish inside the top 10 in a long drive competition. It was outrageous. You can obviously see it meant a lot to him. He was celebrating after the big ones. His interviews were great. Just it is impossible to think about a guy that can hit it 415, a golf ball 415 yards, can then go to Bay Hill and win the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Like, that's just a crazy combination to think about. But he got it done. It was very cool to watch, actually. It was, it was very cool to see the highlights. I didn't watch it live, but I did see him, and it was pretty badass. So shout out Bryson for that. But we can jump into a quick Sanderson Farms recap before we get into the Shriners and all that kind of information. So Sam Burns. There was 13 players within two shots of the lead at one point during the final round on Sunday, and then Burns kind of turned it on and left everybody else in the dust. He birdied 11 on the back nine, birdied 13, birdied 14, birdied 15, took a two-shot lead with three holes to play, and it was just kind of nails down the stretch. Um, He won the Valspar Championship back in May, if you guys remember that. He was just money. He only missed nine greens over the four rounds. He was on good vibes. Final round, five under 67, one shot over Nick Watney and Cameron Young. I was, like I said, LSU Tiger felt right at home in Mississippi on Bermuda grass. Again, made his professional debut here back in 2017. The 22 under winning score is the lowest since the tournament moved to the country couple of Jackson in 2014. And that uh, bested Cameron Champ's 21 under mark that he did in 2018. So the tournament record is still 24 under, and that was Scott Stallings back in 2012. But again, that was at a different golf course. So that's that. But yeah, incredible performance by Sam Burns. Don't want to jump into it a lot of it because I'd be lying if I told you that I watched a lot of the golf tournament. I watched PGA Tour Live on Thursday and Friday, and then when it's football time, it's football time. Like, that's about it. The one thing I did notice on Twitter and all the highlights getting uh, posted and I am not going to pronounce this guy's name right. I'm just warning you right now, but Sahith Theagala, if I got that right, shout out, shout out me. But he was actually one of the 54 hole leaders, which was nice. There was actually a four year streak of the 54 hole leader converting at the Sanderson farms. And he actually broke that streak, but he was the player of the year in 2020 at Pepperdine. Um, shot one under in the final round, finished at 19 under. That kid is an absolute problem. He was a problem in college. It obviously translated onto the PGA Tour, committing or contending immediately. So we'll see. But that kid's a stud. Um, I, I saw the one highlight of us, like his eagle chip rimming out, and he like ended up on the ground, which was pretty funny. But that's pretty much it for the Sanderson Farms. I mean, it's the Sanderson Farms. I don't want to dive a whole lot into it just because – Again, it's the Sanderson farm, so you know who cares. But we can get into the uh, we can get into our preview for the Shriners. So again, like I said at the top of the show, and have you know subtly, sarcastically mentioned throughout the show, it's just that it's just that time of year for golf fans for the PGA Tour. It's kind of a frustrating part of the year, and we're not even really at the bad part of it. Like there's a couple tournaments coming up. Like there's the Zozo, which is going to be pretty loaded. I think the CJ is probably going to end up getting a good field. 
But once we get into late November and all of December, pretty much, I mean, we just have nothing to look forward to PGA tour wise. Thank God there's football to kind of bring us out of that hole during that time of year. But we're officially in that drought where we're going to play a couple good tournaments in the next few weeks. And then we're not going to see a good field until probably late January. I mean, the TOC is going to be okay, but who knows if every winner from last season is going to go. But we're in a, we're in the rut of the PGA Tour season, which is a little bit of a bummer. And that is highlighted again this week at the Shriners. Just another Shriners Hospitals for Children's Open at TPC Summerlin, Las Vegas. A few U.S. Ryder Cuppers actually making their way to Vegas, which is kind of nice. They're making the trip. Uh, Brooks Kepka's is there. Harris English is there. Scotty Scheffler is there. Um, a couple past Ryder Cuppers and Ricky Fowler and Patrick Reed. Victor Hovland, who was on the European Ryder Cup team, is here. Will Zaltoris, Lou Usdason, Masters champ Hideki Matsuyama. So the field is actually pretty good, which is fun because this is a boring golf course and it is a boring tournament. I always say the longer the golf tournament name, the worse the golf tournament is. Shriners Hospitals for Children's Open compared to the Masters. That's kind of what I build on. But again, like I say on every show, a shitty golf tournament doesn't mean that we can't win any money. So we're going to try to win money. The golf course, TPC Summerlin, par 71, 7,255 yards. We're back for some desert golf. Um, I don't know if I've talked about this on the show or not, but I am not a fan of desert golf. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's my deep insecurity about being a terrible driver of the golf ball. And if you don't drive it well, or if you don't drive it on the planet, pretty much in desert golf, you're going to shoot 200. You just can't play out of the day. De- Obviously you can't play a golf ball out of the desert. So that might be what's kind of attributing to my non liking of desert golf. But I mean, what it really consists of is artificial water features all over the place to try to make it look like you're not in the middle of fucking nowhere. Bent grass greens, which is fine. Nothing against bent grass greens. And then a few ca- mountains and canyons to look at in the background. It's just not really my favorite type of golf, if I'm going to be honest. The weather looks actually pretty good all week long. Tuesday, today, showers, 45% chance of rain blowing seven out of the east-southeast. Wednesday is mostly sunny, 3% chance of rain blowing eight. Thursday, mostly cloudy, 1% chance of rain blowing 11 out of the south-southeast. Friday, cloudy, 15% chance of rain, 13-mile-an-hour winds blowing out of the south-southwest. Saturday is sunny, 2% chance of rain blowing 6 miles an hour out of the north. And Sunday is sunny, 1% chance of rain, 8-mile-an-hour winds in north-northeast. So once we get into tournament days, it is not going to rain, which is really nice. I think they might be getting some uh, rain early this morning. So it might affect the practice round there, but once we get into tournament play, it actually looks really, really nice, which is awesome. Key stats. According to Data Golf, performance off the tee is the least important statistic this week. Short golf course with fairways on the generous side is a recipe, like I said at the top of the show, for every single player in this field to have an opportunity to get into contention. Just look at last year's winner, Martin Laird. The one thing that we are going to be looking at, and I only put approach, but it's really putting also because this is another golf tournament that is going to be the winner from 20 to 25 under par. Stroke scene approach and stroke scene putting are going to be huge this week. You need to make a lot of birdies, and how do you make a lot of birdies efficiently is hitting the ball just close to the hole. It's very hard to make 30 footers all week. That's just not going to happen, especially when you need to do it 20 times to get get into contention. Excuse me. So guys that are just hitting it close to the hole, hitting a lot of greens in the right spots, giving themselves makeable birdie putts. Those are the guys that we want to target. Again, 
short golf course, all that kind of stuff. If you're able to find the fairway and your iron play is locked in, you're going to have a lot of opportunities for birdie and you're going to need to take advantage of them. So that's why I include putting in that also, just because you really need to, you need both clicking to make birdies, a lot of birdies efficiently, unless you just have an unconscious day on the, or week on the greens, like Patrick Cantlay a couple weeks ago in the playoff event, but you just need to get it done um, with approach and putting. If it was football, you need to get it done on both sides of the ball. Approach and putting, you got to convert on both ends. Data golf information, course fit. TPC San Antonio is number one. Number two is Monterey Peninsula Country Club. Number three is St. George's Golf and Country Club. Trending among the players in the field is number one, Eric Van Royen, the jogger man himself. I don't, I wore joggers in high school, right? I was walking, the, I was rocking the khaki joggers, maybe a little throwing a sweatpant jogger every once in a while. I was on that train. I've worn joggers golfing before his joggers are like capris i don't know if you guys remember like 2006 2007 when all the girls were rocking like capri pants that just went down to the middle of their shin instead of wearing shorts they wore capris that's what Aaron van roaring looks like he looks like a eighth grade middle school girl from like 2007 when he's on the golf course and some people oh my god he looks awful anyway kevin Nas number two t17 three missed cut Louis Ustase in his last three starts, T17, T38, and T14. Percent chance to win based on course history, fit, and trending. Number one is Webb Simpson at 3.9%. Scotty Scheffler is at 3.7%. And Brooks Kepka is at 3.3%. I did notice that, actually, when I was looking over all the data golf information for the week. It is very interesting to see with data golf, you usually have a outright favorite that is going to be at like 8% chance to win like a John Rahm or like Patrick Cantlay when he was hot or DJ or somebody like that somebody's name in the field that just has a really high percent chance to win this week it's a lot of guys in that 3.9 to like three range there's got to be 10 guys in there and Webb Simpson makes sense at number one just because he has a really consistent game right Webb's one of the more boring players to watch play golf because it's just fairway green and then make some putts. Scotty Scheffler is a little bit more entertaining. Brooks Kepka is, I don't want to ever call Brooks Kepka a sleeper because he's just never a sleeper. Whenever his name is in the field, you, he can just turn it on whenever, but he does have some before Brooks Kepka was Brooks Kepka in this big name and major championship winner. He actually played this golf tournament really well. I think he has a multiple top five finishes here. So this could be a week. He had a decent week at the Ryder cup. He almost ended it with a hole in one. He played pretty well. I wouldn't be surprised. There's enough names in this field that Brooks might get up for this one. I would not be surprised. He just won at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. I said just won like it happened a month ago. Back in February. And that's desert. That's as desert as it gets. Very similar golf course. Has multiple top five finishes. So this could be a week where you could see Brooks Kepka sneak into the top five and maybe make enough birdies down the stretch to win. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see what Brooks has got betting odds presented by Tipico Sportsbook. access USA today, sports betting odds, a full list on my article later um, today that goes out on golf week, the in-depth preview and all that kind of stuff. Louis Ustazen. So this is very weird. I've also never seen this eight players, just like I said, with the data golf information, where there's a bunch of guys from the three to four, three to 4% chance to win range. There are eight guys tied as the, <laughs> as the betting favorite on Tipico. Louis Ustazen's plus 2000, Webb Simpson's plus 2000, Brooks Kepka, Abraham Anser, Scotty Scheffler, Victor Hovland, Will Zalatoris, and Sam Burns are all plus 2000 to win. And then you get to Paul Casey at plus 3000, and Kevin Na is also at plus 3000. And I got some players players to watch this week for you guys. I got, uh, let's see, 
uh, four, and then I got my sleeper for the week. So let's jump into it. Number one, you guys hear me talk about this guy all the time. If you're a long time listener to the show, Abraham Answer, he had a fantastic finish to his uh, 2020, 2021 campaign. Three top tens in his last four starts, and that actually includes a win at the WG FedEx St. Jude Championship at blah, blah, blah. That is the longest fucking name for a golf tournament, maybe of all time. They need to change that. They got to they gotta change that up. Uh, answer, especially when it's read on TV, when the guy goes, welcome to the World Golf Classic FedEx St. Jude Championship at blah, blah, blah. Holy shit. Um, answer is one of the most consistent players on tour when it comes to accuracy. Last year, he was fifth in fairways and regulation, 22nd in greens and regulation. He was 12th in scoring average, which again is huge this week when the winning score is going to be right around 20 under par. You need a guy to make a lot of birdies and doesn't put a lot of bogeys on the card. That is Abraham Answer. He's fantastic at doing that. He's played in this event three times, and two of those finish is our top ten, our top fives rather, a solo fourth and a T4. Fresh start of the season. This is going to be his first start. He's plus 2,000 to win. He is going to be right up there. Desert golf. He's played well before. He obviously likes this golf course, likes this layout. Again, it just fits him really well. Like if he gets the putter going, he's going to contend just because he hits every fairway. He's going to hit close to 70% of greens and he can roll it when he gets hot. So he's going to be in contention no matter really how you look at it. Uh, Cameron Jangali is on my list this week. He is off to a hot start to the season. T22 at the Fortinet Championship, T11 at the Sanderson Farms. His play, his great play, actually, when you think about it, really goes back to last season. He strung together four finishes of T26 or better in his last five starts of the season last year. Over his last 24 rounds, he's 31st in strokes gained approach and 18th in strokes gained putting. I love that combination at TPC Summerlin due to the projected high score coming on Sunday, but also just because of the lack of importance of driving performance. The two things that we're going to look at are, are you are you putting it close to the hole and are you making the putt stroke gain approach and stroke gain putting? He's inside the top 31 in both of those categories, top 20 in putting over his last 24 rounds. Love to see all of that. Last season at the Shriners, he cashed in a top 20 finish and actually was a runner up back in 2015. So in really good form, has great history at this golf course. He's plus 4,000 to win. That might be a really good value bet for you this week. Cameron Chingali, he's looking for his first He's looking for his first PGA Tour win, actually. If you guys didn't see it on Golf Week, Adam Shupak, who's one of our writers, put together a list of the top or put a list together of 10 players, the 10 players on the PG and PGA Tour history that have won $10 million on tour and haven't won. That list includes Tommy Fleetwood. But Cameron Chingali's on that list. He's won close to, I believe, like 13 million or something ridiculous and hasn't put a win on the board. This could be the week because he's in fantastic form. He has great history at this golf course. Look out for Tringali this week. Uh, Maverick McNeely is on the list again. I know I talk about him every week. I was almost right about him at the Fortinet Championship. We nailed the Fortinet Championship. We had Max in there too. But McNeely, he was close at the Fortinet a few weeks ago. That late shank on 17 does not help when that leads to double bogey. Granted to him, he did make he did come back and make eagle on the next hole to lose by one. But Max Homer, our boy, ended up taking home the win. But Again, another I'm plugging Shoe at the at uh, Shoop right now. But Adam Shupak did an interview with Mav after one of his rounds in Napa last week, and I loved pretty much everything that he was saying. He's on a more consistent schedule. He's waking up early. He's practicing every day. He's just more in the flow of it, really trying to improve his game. And I love hearing that. He seems extremely motivated, and that makes it a little bit easier on my part to bet the kid for a top 30, for a top 20, especially when you're still getting pretty good value. I mean, he hasn't finished outside the top 30 since the PGA Championship. Nine starts, he hasn't finished out the top 30. Love to see that. 
or he's he's finished outside the top 30 one time. My bad. He came almost in dead last at what was that? The BMW, I believe. But other than that, he hasn't finished outside the top 30. So we'd love to see that. He's missed the cut here twice in three starts, which is also not great to see. He did have a top 40 back in 2020. But again, I just think he's a better golfer now. He's a better player, better all around player. He's good off the tee. His approach game's great. He can roll it. He's plus 5,000 to win. So you're ha- going to get plus odds for a top 20 finish for Mav, maybe even a top 30. I just love that. In good form, obviously, coming off of his runner-up finish in Napa. So I think uh, I think he could put together a pretty good week. Again, another guy that we talk about all the time, Scotty Scheffler. Just like my relationship with Will Zalatoris, who I actually almost put on the list this week, but I didn't because I'm sure you guys are sick of hearing about Will Zalatoris, who just like plays one good round a week and ends up in the top 20 and then nothing else. That's what happened at the Sanderson Farms. But Scotty Scheffler who has it quickly turned into one of my favorite players on the PGA Tour, just has to win at some point. And this week, he's riding the fumes of an absolute Sunday singles beatdown of world number one John Rahm. I mean, that that wasn't even close. What do you win the first three, four holes? Like, that was never close. So he's riding on the coattails of that a little bit. His record of Let's Golf Tournament, again, just like Mav, really isn't that good. He missed a cut and came for a tie for 74th, although the year that he missed the cut, he shot six under in the first two days, like that's what this golf tournament is. You have to, when you have to shoot seven under over two rounds to make the cut at a PGA tour event, you know, the golf course is a little bit on the easier side and kind of open to everybody. But in his last 10 starts, he had, he's had four top 10 finishes and seven finishes of T22 or better. So he's playing really good golf. Obviously played great with Bryson at the Ryder cup, beat down John Rahm in Sunday singles. He's one of the betting favorites at plus 2000 to win. But again, he just has to win at some point. And, He's a little, I don't want to say he's like Abraham Answer because he's not nearly as accurate, but he's inside the top 60 in fairways and regulation. And I believe like in the top 45 of greens of regulation. So he's again, one of those guys that's just really consistent and all really depends on his putter. So, I mean, if he gets, if he gets hot uh, on the bent grass greens at TBC Summerlin, watch out for Scotty this week. And then my sleeper, I've talked about this guy a lot and I'm going to kind of just form an equation for you guys to why I think this makes sense. Pat Perez, desert golf as an Arizona native, has played desert golf for the last whatever 20 years as he's lived in that pad up there when the pool glows purple. And I'm sure you guys have seen pictures of uh, Pat Perez's house. So you got that. Arizona native knows uh, desert golf as well as anyone on a tour in Vegas. Vegas and Pat Perez almost go hand in hand. When I, it's impossible for me to look at Pat Perez and his mullet and sometimes that handlebar mustache, PXG clubs, and not think about Vegas. It almost makes too much sense that I want to bet it the other way. But I think he's going to be my sleeper for the week. He missed the cut in his last appearance at the Shriners, but in 2019, which is his second to last appearance at the Shriners, he hasn't played in this golf tournament a bunch. So he missed his last appearance finished solo third in 2019. And then you have to go back to 2016 for like his third to last appearance or whatever you want to call it. He was T7, top 10. So he's played well at this golf course before. I know he just missed the cut at the Fortnite championship, but over his last 24 rounds on tour, his best two strokes gain categories have been approached. He's 33rd and putting 14th. So he's striking his irons really well. He's rolling his rock. He's going to be really comfortable in the desert conditions. His 
performance off the tee doesn't matter as much this week, right? He d- I'm not saying he can spray it, but maybe he doesn't have to pull out driver. He can just hit it in the fairway with three wood and take advantage of his iron play. He's striking the ball great right now. He's rolling the ball great right now. If he puts it in the fairway this week, I expect Pat Perez to make a little bit of a run, especially if we can get him at good value. I think he's plus 10,000 on Tipico. If we can get him for plus odds for a top 30, top 40, maybe even take that. Because I think it's just kind of all coming together for uh, Patty P to have a good week in Vegas. So we'll see what happens. But that's it, guys. That's what we got for the Shriners. Um, I'm still trying to partly recover from Sunday night. Maybe that's why I didn't want to do the podcast yesterday and have it for you guys on Tuesday morning. Um, my heart, my brain is just confused pile of mess right now due to Sunday night football. Um, great game. Mac Jones outplayed Tom Brady. You can't play him. You can't tell me anything else. But that was a tough loss. A doink from 56 yards to win. Well, maybe not win, but an opportunity to make a stop. It's tough. But anyway, it's all I got to say about the Shriners. It's all I got to say about the Sanderson Farms. That's what I got for you guys this week. Instagram is at Twilight9Pod. I know it was broken yesterday, but I think Instagram's back up. At Riley Hamill underscore is my personal Instagram. Um, like I said, the betting, the in-depth preview is going up on Golf Week, hopefully today. And then tomorrow I might release like my favorite picks article once Tipico uh, releases like top 20 and top 30 odds. So that's probably going to go up also. And then the show is going to officially transition over to Golf Week, hopefully during the holidays, right around Thanksgiving, I think we're we're talking about. And then we should have news about a, a co-host soon too, which is fun. So we got some exciting stuff coming up for the show. And I think that's it. Oh, I went to Nantucket, which was fun to cover the U.S. Mid-Am. Hagestad ended up winning, but the kid came all the way back. Hagestad was five up after the first 18 holes of the finals match. And then Costanza came all the way back to get it to one down, um, but ended up losing on 17. That was really fun. The golf course, uh, Sankety Head Golf Club down in Nantucket was incredible. Um, Hopefully we can get, um, I want to do a little travel series with Golf Week down, do the golf courses down on the islands on Nantucket and Martha's Vineyard for you guys. So hopefully maybe next, next spring we'll, maybe put that something there together. That would be pretty exciting. But the U.S. Mid-Am was awesome. If you guys ever have a chance to go watch those amateur golfers play, they're fucking incredible. If you recognize that Hagestad name, it's because he was the low-am at the 2017 Masters. And he's going back. He's going back to Augusta in April. And then he also got invited to the U.S. Open at Brookline Country Club in Massachusetts in 2022 for the U.S. Open. So that's exciting for him. But yeah, that's it, guys. That's it for the show this week. Um, follow the Instagrams, follow that kind of stuff, follow our TikTok. Uh, make sure you guys read the betting stuff coming out in the next couple of days. Enjoy the golf this weekend. It's actually a pretty good field. I actually almost, when I was going over all that information for you guys, I actually almost like talked myself into this is going to be a pretty good tournament with all those names in it. So enjoy the golf, enjoy the football, enjoy the Patriots upcoming beatdown of the Houston Texans, and I will talk to you guys next week.